This is the Joe and Amber podcast. I think the weirdest part about that segment that we did last week wasn't Joe Fortenbaugh's bizarre advice to stretch before going to a resort pool, but it was frankly that Rachel was spending her vacation listening to Joe and Amber on the one day that she didn't have to work Joe and Amber, Rachel. So I hope that you had an excellent vacation and now you're back in the saddle with us. But honestly, what were you doing? Oh, I had a great time. I just happened, not going to lie, look at the clock at a bathroom break when everybody was kind of chilling. It was 845. I'm like, you know what? I got a complaint. I'll call in. They should be answering the phones right now. Fair, fair, fair. We appreciate In the future, that keep your complaints to yourself. This is a <laughs> no. positive-minded show. This is not uh, some call center halfway around the world where you yell and scream about an extra fee that was put on your credit card or something of that nature. This is a positive-minded show. We want people who bring excitement and energy and positivity. I will and also people who stretch. I will take the complaints as long as they are about Joe and not me. We will play Call a Roulette at 8.45 Eastern like we always do every night. So that will be your opportunity to join the conversation. 8.45 p.m. Eastern. We will open up the phone lines. Joe and Amber's presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. So we got the national championship tonight. Exactly as everybody predicted it in their brackets, San Diego State and UConn, a four and a five squaring off for it all. And I look at this game on paper and it doesn't even seem close, Joe. UConn seems to have every advantage when you're talking backcourt, frontcourt bench I mean maybe the coaching uh, is on the same level but just in about every other category it feels uneven I mean the UConn path this season has been remarkable they were a juggernaut out of the gate what they win like 14 15 to start the season I don't know something something in there and everyone's looking at him thinking this team's unstoppable and then they got hit a few times and they lost a few games and people kind of forgot about them they didn't win their conference tournament so they were seated somewhere right around what are they a four and they're coming in and they're in a tough region with Kansas and Gonzaga and uh, a banged up UCLA team people thought all right let's see what happens here San Diego State no one thought anything of them maybe they go out and they win a few games but in the Alabama region probably not going to emerge and they have had some real nail biters they needed a buzzer beater to get their first lead of the game the other night in the matchup with Florida Atlantic they were trailing Creighton big time all right they have needed to come from behind and scratch and claw for everything meanwhile UConn has won five straight games they've won those games by 20 points per game they're annihilating everybody right now so they're a seven point favorite which is a relatively big line for the national championship game Open five and a half. It's been professional money that was on UConn, and it was also a lot of public money. The public is all over UConn in this one. Got as high as seven and a half before some San Diego State money showed up. When I look at this game and the specific matchups that we're going to see, like you mentioned the gaudy numbers there from UConn. In their front court for UConn, you have Adama Sanoga, who is averaging north of 20 points per game, just shy of 10 rebounds per game in this tournament. Like the numbers that UConn has been putting up, and you mentioned the point differential, they've just been so dominant, and the players have been so dominant too. And now San Diego State has to figure out how to defend that. Now San Diego State has been a formidable team defensively all throughout this tournament. Nathan Mensa, who's going to have to try to defend Sanago tonight. I mean, he is, you know, six foot ten, two hundred and thirty pounds. He's gonna have to utilize that frame. But when you look at UConn and the dominance, it feels like, and I said it earlier in the show, 
it feels like this team is a one seed, even though they're not the one seed. But it feels like it's a one seed playing the five seed. And it shouldn't feel that lopsided. And it's just simply because this has been the story of two different marches for these teams, where San Diego State has been eking it out and UConn has been completely dominant throughout. UConn is extraordinarily well-balanced. They're one of only four teams that entered the dance ranking in the top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. The other three teams were Houston, Alabama, and Texas, three very good teams in their own right. They rebound well. They knock down free throws well. They defend the three-point line well. They can work down low and on the outside. They do everything well. And they're very well coached by Danny Hurley, whose staff hadn't had a tournament win entering this this particular year. So there was some concern. Stanford Steve and I talked about it, and he had a legitimate concern early on. You know, there's a lot of pressure on these guys coming in. And boy, did they get rid of that pressure in a hurry. You know, they've been dusting everyone in the second half of these games. The adjustments they make at halftime and the way they put it on the opposition in the second half has been special. But the last three games, they have jumped all over the opposition. They jumped all over Miami. They jumped all over Gonzaga. And they jumped all over Arkansas at the beginning of those games. And they broke those teams. They broke them. That's what San Diego State has to avoid tonight. San Diego State plays a very slow style. Their tempo is very slow. They're going to bring the ball up the court. They're going to take their time. And defensively, they are very good, very disciplined. They don't get caught a lot in the pick and roll. They don't get caught out of position. They don't bite on pump fakes. They are very disciplined defensively. The defense has to keep it close because if UConn pulls away early, I don't think that San Diego State offense is capable of yet another comeback like they had the other night against Florida Atlantic. The good news is for San Diego State, because of those comebacks, this is a very battle-tested team, right? And because of these close wins. I mean, San Diego State, I don't think, is going to be overwhelmed by the moment or scared of UConn in any way. And that's going to be important. I mentioned the coaching there is pretty even. Brian Dutcher for San Diego State actually has the better career coaching winning percentage than Danny Hurley, albeit slightly different league so you could say that right a little bit easier um he has two 30 plus win seasons in the last four years alone brian dutcher so san diego state is not a team that you sleep on i mean it's a team that is ready to be in this position and it's certainly a battle tested team they'll be ready for this moment i just don't know if frankly they're good enough like it's almost how i felt about the matchup with miami and yukon like i don't i don't know what miami could have done you know like there was nothing else jim laranega Right. could have done they just UConn was so much bigger than Miami when you watched that game yes Miami has the guard play Miami has excellent coaching UConn was just so much bigger they were just outmatched and I wonder if that's what we're going to see tonight San Diego say it would concern me with San Diego State if they didn't have that Alabama win on their resume right because you look at some of the teams that these these the, the teams that make it deep, what was your path? You know, how many big teams did you knock off? And Miami was knocking off some really heavy hitters on their way to that matchup with UConn. All credit to Miami for who they were able to beat. But San Diego State, while some might think of the last couple of games, and be like, all right, Creighton, Florida Atlantic. Creighton's very good. They're a very balanced team. Florida Atlantic was much better than they were seeded. And they did take out, this is San Diego State now, they took out Alabama. That was the number one overall seed. They held the Crimson Tide to 3 of 27 on shooting from deep. They were remarkable in that game. So they've got the resume. And they're one of these teams that clearly knows after Saturday night, no matter how down they may be, they're never out of it. Defense can win you championships. But can they knock down enough shots tonight? 
That's what it comes down to. Can the offense stay in this game? Because they are not a good free throw shooting team. And to me, free throws are the of the utmost importance this time of year. There is nothing worse than betting an over or betting on one of these teams that just cannot make its free throws at this point in the season. Clank after clank. It's extremely infuriating. San Diego State down 14. They certainly know how to claw their way back. They also know how to hit one of the greatest shots we've ever seen in NCAA tournament history. We'll find out if there's more of that magic tonight for San Diego State or if UConn continues their dominance as the national championship tips off tonight at 9.20 p.m. Eastern. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, what do John Cena, Angel Reese, and Caitlin Clark have in common? We'll get into it. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Carson banks in! My goodness, it's wizardry! Morris into the paint, leaning and hitting! Alexis Morris trying to take LSU to the finish line. Tim Mulkey in year two has orchestrated a turnaround for the ages. LSU has captured its very first national championship. So this is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Uh, Joe Liss. Joe and Amber, Joe Fortin, but he's very fancy. He had to go to TV stuff. We have the men's national championship tonight tipping off at 9.20 p.m. Eastern. I'm taking things over, though. And since I'm taking things over, we're going to talk about the ladies, okay? The women's national championship, of course, last night. Dominant win by LSU over Iowa. And the sports world has been set on fire the last 24 hours, not because of the actual game itself, not even because of the terrible officiating that happened in that game, but because of a simple gesture that, frankly, we had seen before. We'd seen numerous times before, but we'd even seen on the women's basketball court, collegiate court before, when Angel Reese could be seen approaching Caitlin Clark. She moved an open hand in front of her face, waving it back and forth. It's John Cena's, you can't see me, I'm invisible move. And it's what Caitlin Clark did. Angel Reese did it back to her. Right before the buzzer, she also pointed to her ring finger, tapping it. This is my national championship. I'm getting that ring. It has set things on fire since. There has been tons of commentary about it. Social media is ablaze. Angel Reese knows about all of the criticism and the applause that she's getting because of it. Here is LSU's forward on NBA Today. I've been dealing with this since high school, so it's honestly not new for me. Um, 
it's just what it is and I accept it and I want to take on that role of being the black woman that's going to stand up for the girls that may not have a voice so I'm happy I can be the role model and the person everyone looks up to and even just the one that can say those things that other people may not want to say so I'm just happy right now Here's the thing. Angel Reese is a role model. I mean, she's a role model because of what she does on the court. She's a role model because she has become a superstar. She's a role model because she is unapologetically herself. She is a role model because she has that level of confidence that we rarely see, and she is not afraid to express herself in any way. She's faced adversity. She has quite literally come out on top because she just won the national championship, and that ship had everything to do with Angel Reese, and she's become the face of that team, and she's relished in that role, and she's developed exponentially as a basketball player with Mulkey as her coach this past season. But I won't say that she's a role model because she did the John Cena wave in front of her face. Like She's a role model because of everything else. That was cool, and I'm here for it in sports because I don't mind the taunting. I don't need sportsmanship when we're talking about grown women. I like that she's going back at Caitlyn because Caitlyn dished it out, and if you're going to dish it out, you have to serve it. On the other hand, I also like how Caitlyn reacted to it because that's a gangster move. She acted like she didn't see it, and that's probably the right move. Angel Reese was following her around the court. There was zero chance Caitlin Clark wasn't aware of what she was doing. But Caitlin Clark did the right thing, acted like she didn't see it, kept it moving, said all the right things in her post-presser where she gave credit to the team. And she said the thing that you would say in that spot. Honestly, I didn't even notice. I was out there just focused on the five women that I'd won, you know, that I've been on the court for the last 93 games with. And that's what you should do in that moment. So you're kind of taking the gloating out of Angel Reese's sales, but I'm here for all of it. I don't understand why we feel this need to eradicate professional level sports or collegiate sports where on both of those levels, we are talking about grownups, right? People who we consider adults. Why do we need to eradicate the trash talking and the fun out of those sports. This isn't over the top. She didn't go up and say anything atrocious to Caitlin. She did the same stuff Caitlin Clark has done. And Caitlin Clark recognized that, I'm sure. I'm sure even in that moment, Caitlin Clark's like, all right, you got me, which is why I'm just not even going to react to it because you got me. Angel Reese deserved that moment. It's not good sportsmanship. And what? We don't need to pretend like it's not trash talking. I mean, it is direct taunting. She was directly taunting Caitlin Clark, who is the biggest star in that sport. And what? Who cares? Give me more of the trash talk. Give me more of the taunting. Whether you love her because of it or whether you hate her because of it, all of it helps elevate the sport. We become emotional about these players. We become emotional about these characters. And that's always good for the sport. And Angel Reese is one of those players that has also stepped into the character. She stepped into the moment. She recognizes the star that she has become and that she is becoming as somebody who's wildly popular on social media with all the young people as well. She rates in that way. She is exactly what you want in that sport of college basketball. And so is Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark is 
is phenomenal. And she also is here with the taunting and the clear trash talking when we saw her do the same thing. And so let these women be grown women and let these women be competitors and let's embrace the fun. This drives me crazy about men's sports as well, because we do this to grown men where we act like we clutch our pearls because, you know, a dude's in an end zone pointing at his ring finger or something. Like, what are we doing? It's grown ups. And I understand I'm a mother. I understand that people are worried about, well, my kid's going to see that. And these players are role models. And then my kid's going to go to little league and they're going to be exhibiting the same behavior. Tell your kid, no, tell your kid that those are adult things and that you're not grown enough to do that. I don't think that we need to expect these women to raise your children to that degree. I think that also, again, they're not doing anything wrong. It's just a little trash talk. And overall, that makes all sports better and it makes it fun. And frankly, it elevates the product. These are true competitors and you want to see the emotions in that moment. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Kim Mulkey, the LSU head coach, she was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max after her win. Of course, they asked her about her reaction to her players taunting. She's a magnet. She speaks her mind. She does trash talk. Um, hell, I trash talk. You trash talk. We all love to talk it. But now you have a lot of people watching you. And Angel is unapologetic for who she is. Angel is very, very smart. And she's very, very savvy. And she knows if she crosses the line and it becomes vulgar or it becomes something that doesn't represent me or LSU, someone will tell me and then I will get involved. Otherwise, if what I was told is all there is to it, so be it. And that's all there was to it. I mean, I just can't get behind the pearl clutching because you point to your ring finger or you wave your hand in front of your face. And that goes for Caitlin Clark as well. Like, give me more of this. Everybody start waving hands in front of their face. (laughs) Give me more of it. How is that offensive? How are you? How are your panties in a bunch about that? Let's have more of that competitive nature in sports. I think that there is an added component here. Of course, people are referencing the racial component here because the narrative around when Caitlin Clark did it, there was a lot of applause and the narrative around Angel Reese doing it, there seems to be less applause and a lot more criticism. And so there's that component that people are referencing. There's also a gender component here where I think people are maybe a little uncomfortable with seeing women behave in that way. It's not ladylike. But you know what, Angel? Don't be a lady, be a legend. And that's exactly what Angel Reese is being. She's being a legend by dishing it out. And Caitlin Clark knows that she dished it out, so she has to take it. And that's what sports is about. And in and of itself, that is sportsmanship, even if that moment isn't. Because these women handled themselves the right way, the fun way, in a competitive way. And then they both went on to say all the right things in their press conferences after that and all the press that they have done since. It's everybody else on Twitter and everybody else out here in the social media sphere who, frankly, is not handling themselves the right way and is way too caught up and way too emotional about a moment between two grown competitors. Coming up next, back to the men's national championship game. I'm going to bring in some help. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Rolling along here on Joe and Amber. You can find us on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. And all you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN radio to listen to us. It is that simple. The men's national championship tonight tips off 
in a little less than an hour from now. Five-seed San Diego State taking on four-seed Connecticut. For all things college basketball, we bring in ESPN college basketball reporter Myron Medcalf. And Myron, thanks for spending some time with me here. First, I want to start, though, with the Women's National Championship because, as you know, the world has been set ablaze. All the coverage now the last 24 hours hasn't been on the game itself but has been on this thing that Angel Reese did with her hand, waving it in front of her face, pointing to her ring finger, taunting Caitlin Clark, so to speak, using Caitlin Clark's move, previous move. What did you make of the fallout from all of that? Let me first say how proud I am of Joe and Amber and how this has been the next level in your career. And I know it because I got like a request to be on the show, like not like a text (laughs) message from one of you. So I know there's a whole different process happening with the Joe and Amber show. We're so official. I just respect the level you have reached, Amber. So kudos I, to, I to you and Joe. I appreciate that, Myron. Uh, yeah, you know, we're, we're fancy up in here now. We're, we're very official yeah. instead of just sending you a little I, text like, yo, Myron. Can yeah, I see. No, no text, no DM. But, I mean, here's the thing, right? I don't know if everyone was being honest and genuine in the aftermath of what happened with Andrew Reese and Caitlin Clark. I, Twitter's always a place where people exaggerate how they really feel. I think – we have to make room for any athlete in a moment like that to celebrate, especially if they're facing somebody who has been, you know, talking some trash, kind of being uh, the, the kind of star that you wanted Caitlin Clark to be. But part of that was the flamboyance, right? And I thought Angel Reese was just sort of giving it back to her in a very competitive atmosphere. It's become something pretty ugly. Uh, and, and as you know, there, there's a lot of sexism and misogyny stitched into how people are responding to this. There are some other factors as well. But I thought Angel Reese talking about it, it made sense. You know, she watched Caitlin Clark wave off, uh, you know, some of the South Carolina players and do the, you can't see me. And she felt like, hey, I'm going to return the favor after we just beat this Iowa team that a lot of people thought were going to crush us. So there has to be room for that kind of competitive flair. But also, how about we let Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese handle it? Because I think they're capable of doing that. And I don't think either one of those young women asked anyone to speak up on their behalf. Yeah, and they're also grown women, fully capable, I think, of handling the moment. Also, man, the growth uh, of that sport and the eyeballs, thanks in large part to those two women who are becoming superstars in their own right. But let's talk about the men's game for a moment. Myron Metcalf, ESPN College basketball reporter, joining us here on Joe and Amber. Let's start with Dan Hurley. I mean, what what do you make of how he's rebuilt this UConn program? It's been fascinating. You know, I was at the Phil Knight Invitational for TV in November in Portland. You know, they beat Alabama. They beat a good Iowa State team. And you could tell they had something. I mean, they hit this rough patch in the middle of the season. But I always thought they had a very high ceiling. I picked them to win it all. I think a lot of people did. Um, And and he's just gone out and get NBA-level talent. He admits that. You know, he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's not out here saying, hey, it's everything that I'm doing. That's what's led to this moment. He admits he just acquired the talent. And he's got everybody clicking on the same page. I think the biggest difference is Dan Hurley from a couple of years ago is not the same guy. He's more subdued, you know? I mean, there have been these moments in games, Amber, in the tournament where you know six months ago even, certainly a couple of years ago, he would have picked up a tech. Um, his emotions would have got the best of him. And now you're seeing him maintain his composure. And I think that's really affected this team. Like, they're playing as carefree, honestly, as any team that I've maybe covered 
in my career. Uh, they just don't feel any of the pressure or the stress. And I think Dan Hurley's vibe is a big part of that. Myron, I would love to ask you about Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence, but I don't want to break you mentally or emotionally right now, so I will keep it to basketball. San Diego State's been fantastic. Their back was against it against Creighton. They come back and win. Their back's against it against FAU. They come back and win. You've got two very good defenses in this matchup, but the concern is the San Diego State offense. Average free throw shooting team, below average from a lot of advanced metrics on effective field goal percentage, all that stuff. Can they afford to fall behind in this game and come back again like they did against FAU? No, they can't. I mean, unless they plan to make a trade at halftime or something, <laughs> uh, get Kawhi out there, you know, I don't know how they come back. I mean, here's the problem. Uh, defense wins championships has always been a lie. Um, offense wins championships. Good offense wins championships. Because at the end of the day, even if you have two teams – that are really good defensively, someone has to close the show. And the problem with UConn is the way that they can build these leads, they just kind of put people in a hole where they can't recover. And I think that'll be San Diego State's problem. It's not about if they get behind. I think it's a matter of when they get behind and whether or not they can make things up. Like that Florida Atlantic game, you go back and watch it. Lamont Butler hits the shot. But Florida Atlantic basically for 10 minutes said, hey, guys, do you want to win this game? You can have the national championship game if you want. <laughs> and San Diego State missed free throws. Uh, they missed open layups. They missed a lot of shots. So it was a very ugly finish that led to that miraculous shot. You can't do that against UConn. If you're not crisp, if you're not amazing uh, on offense, you're going to have a problem. And that UConn defense is so good, they make that hard. The way they crushed Gonzaga, that was the most dominant win of a great offensive team that I've ever seen. And now they're playing a San Diego State squad that's very good defensively, but it's nothing compared to what that Gonzaga team was offensively. ESPN College basketball reporter Myron Metcalf joining us here on Joe and Amber. So, Myron, we know that San Diego State can't go down by 14 again and then expect to hit a miracle last-second shot. But do you think momentum-wise, because you covered a lot of college basketball in your day, Myron, is it better to be just dancing through the tournament with ease, like UConn's been winning by 20 points, totally dominating? Or do you think it's better to be a bit more battle-tested like San Diego State when you get to this point? I mean, I think in a tournament where everyone's kind of close, I think you want to be more battle-tested. But, like, if you're just better than everybody else, I want to cruise. You know, at the end of the day, if you're, you know, the, the Rams, the greatest show on turf, and you're just running through people, I think that builds confidence, too. There's just no one who's really challenged them. Like, they've played the best teams in America, and at their ceiling, no one's been able to reach them. Like, you look at Adama Sunoco, nine star. He hit two threes in the first half against Miami. Like, what do you do with that? That's their post presence. That's the guy you're expecting to get all the rebounds, and he's hitting threes. And then it's like, okay, Adama Sunoco, you need a breather. Here's Donovan Klingon, the seven foot two freshman who's going to be a first-round pick. Oh, and by the way, they got NBA guards as well. So I think the confidence isn't about battle-tested versus cruising. It's about personnel. UConn knows they have more dudes than San Diego State has, and I think that's going to be the edge in this game. If one were so inclined to, oh, I don't know, say make a prediction as to who is going to win outstanding player of the tournament when this thing's all said and done, any direction I should be looking? <laughs> I'm going to no-go. I mean, just because I, I think that he's going to have a huge game tonight. He's going to be the neutralizing force. I think, and he, he, to me, has been the key to everything that they've done. Like, he doesn't get the same credit as maybe the Tristan Newtons, Jordan Hawkins, and guys like that, but if you look at what he's done collectively, 
Uh, he's been a force. I mean, that 21 and 10 he put up against Miami was very subtle. You know, people didn't really pay attention to it, but it was miraculous. And I think that's what he's been doing all year. I think it'll be Sonogo. Sonogo has been averaging north of 20 points per game, just shy of 10 boards per game uh, all tournament long. Now Nathan Mensa is going to have to be on him tonight and try to temper some of that production mm. there, Myron. What do you make of just that matchup and other matchups? What do you think is the key matchup for you in this game? Well, I mean, I think all those San Diego State guys, uh, they better eat their spinach, their Wheaties, whatever they need. Because that, I mean, you stand next to Dama Sanogo, it's like a Game of Thrones character or something. Like, you're like, I don't, I don't want to play that dude. Like, he's just an intimidating force. But what San Diego State has been very good at all season is they've made the game ugly. Like, they can take a team that's really good on offense. We saw this with Alabama when Brandon Miller struggled against them. And they can kind of lure you into this ugly kind of slow-paced game where all of a sudden you get away from that transition basketball like UConn likes to play. Uh, it's harder for you to score. And I think that'll be the goal. I know that San Diego State understands that UConn has this great offense. They're going to get their points. But if you can slow it down and give yourself a chance in the end, I think that's going to be their strategy. And I think it'll be ugly. So foul trouble could be a challenge if you're a Donovan Sonogo, Donovan Klingon. I think that's going to be the thing to watch. How quickly does Donovan Sonogo pick up his third foul? When does it happen? Because that could change the entire course of the game. I'm sure in Myron Medcalf's bra- uh, bracket, because, of course, you cover so much college basketball, that you did have UConn, Miami, and, and FAU San Diego State. Uh, but, Myron, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious to know, do you, think that if this, do you think that this is the direction that we're headed here in college basketball with this level of parity and this being so unpredictable for the rest of us? I mean, we are only one year removed from a very traditional blue-blooded Final Four. Yeah, I I think we'll still get a lot of the blue bloods. I think we'll still get a lot of the powerhouse teams because the best players will end up there. Uh, But I do think, especially with NIL, with the COVID year, you know, with guys sticking around when they can make NIL money now, so it's like, okay, do you go pro if you're like an Adonis Sonogo or do you come back and get money? I think that's going to change uh, some of the parity as well. Uh, but the top teams will, will stay as sort of the top teams. They're just going to have more competition, I think, along the way. I think Miami is a better example of what we'll see than San Diego State or Florida Atlantic because Miami, a bunch of NIL money, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's completely legal. They used it to their advantage, and they ended up in the Final Four. I think that's going to be more of the strategy that you see going forward. ESPN College basketball reporter Myron Metcalf. Myron, thanks for coming by. Thanks a lot. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next, it's your turn to weigh into the show. We open up the phone lines, whatever you want to talk about. Bring us your hottest takes, the national championship coming your way tonight, the women's national championship, the fallout with Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark, whatever you want to get into. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We'll play a little caller roulette next. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Joe and Amber, you can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. The phone lines are open. Triple eight, say ESPN, eight at eight, seven two nine, three seven seven six. Let's play some caller roulette. Thirteen black odd, no winner. Spin the wheel, make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play. Call a roulette. 
with Joe and Amber. Triple H A ESPN. That's how you join the conversation. Anything you want to bring our way, let's spin the wheel. Loyal listener Terrence. Terrence is in Georgia. Terrence, thanks for the call. What do you have for us tonight? Uh, I watched the women's game. I watched the women's championship game from wire to wire. I was very impressed. That's gonna be, it's gonna make the game so much better. Uh, that thing with with Angel Reese. Who cares? Well, apparently a lot of the, right, I mean, a lot of the world cares, and and they shouldn't. They shouldn't care. Although, again, I still think, and there's a lot of ugly out there when it comes to the commentary surrounding that, okay? The ugly isn't good, but I think overall, having these things that aren't actually controversial, but become controversial for really stupid reasons when really there's no controversy here at the root of it. These are grown women, Joe, competitive in nature handling themselves like competitors one's dishing it out the other one already dished it out so she knows how to take it in this situation it's the height of competitiveness at an elite level it adds to it all I think ultimately it's good for those eyeballs it's good for the Terrences of the world who are tuning in and gonna watch every minute of that women's game because all it does is make those two women in particular, bigger superstars, which will follow them into their WNBA careers as well. I mean, you want to talk about sportsmanship. Did we get all this this banged up when Zab Judah tried to choke out a ref in a boxing ring or when uh, Habib took out Connor and his whole crew tried to jump into the octagon and they all tried to beat the crap out of everybody? Like, is, is the argument sportsmanship or is there more here? I know it comes down to everyone on Twitter today fighting and saying those who are upset with the way Reese behaved at the end of the game. Um, you know, there's a racist element. There's a sexist element. Players talking trash. It's sports. We have to remember something. This, These are emotional moments. Very emotional moments. You've worked your entire life to build up to something like this. It happens. And in the heat of the moment, no matter what people are doing, they're not necessarily thinking to themselves, what is the best move to make right now, according to everybody on Twitter, so that we can all live happily ever after? People do things. People do things. I have no problem with what happened there. If you're upset with the sportsmanship, maybe you shouldn't watch sports. Exactly. (laughs) Let's spin the wheel. Mike. Mike is in Wisconsin. Mike, thanks for the call. Go ahead. Hey there. I watched the game as well. I, I'm with Terrence on this. I'm, uh, there's nothing wrong with what happened. I didn't even see it, but that, for one thing. And I, read, I saw it on Twitter the next day, and I'm like, who cares? There's, those are two competitive players. I think the officials sort of, sort of ruined that game for me. They put all, both teams in foul trouble early, both stars, and a lot of the stars on both teams were on the bench with two, three, four fouls. And basically what showed me is that South Carolina deserved that win because they had a much deeper team. They could get more players off the bench. When when Angel was on the bench, more players came in and they scored. When Caitlin was on the bench and their big was on the bench, they had trouble moving the ball and scoring with the ball. So it just shows you who the better team was when there was foul trouble. And so, yes, Caitlin's a great player, but so is Angel. And the stuff they were doing was no big deal because it's just because it's women and because Angel's black, we're gonna we're gonna throw shit around and I don't I don't agree with it. It's fine. It was a great game. All right, all right. We gotta watch the language on some of that when we're calling the show. So thank you for the emotion. 
Thank but, you for the passion. But Joe, nobody is more happy about what Angel Reese did than the referees in that game. Because the truth is what that caller said in reference to the refereeing, that would be the story over the last 24 hours had it not taken this ridiculous turn with this gesture that Angel Reese did that everyone's clutching their pearls over the refereeing in that game a lot of people had an issue with I know you had an issue with it I can't continue to have those conversations about bad basketball refereeing I mean it's just the story it feels like to me it's clearly a very difficult sport to ref and for some reason we can't get it right I don't I don't know why it can't be better but I feel like man we talk about this with every gender at every level when it comes to that game so there's two elements to it. Number one, the officiating in that game was disgusting. It was absolutely disgusting. It's not even a question of whether or not um, you believe it to be disgusting or it's being interpreted improperly. In, in those officials were horrible. They should not officiate another game. Number two, how dense do you have to be when your biggest event of the year is taking place? You know you have more new eyeballs on your product than ever before and you turn it into a freaking ref show. Mm -hmm. I'm long convinced, and I'm not I'm not saying this is true or I have any inside information. I am convinced that somehow, some way, there is either an understanding or there is a message passed down before the Super Bowl that gets to the officials that says, when in doubt, let them play. We do not want this to be about you on Monday morning. And I know this past year we had a bit of an incident, but even James Bradbury came out and said it was holding. So I think in the big spots, a lot of sports understand that. A lot of officials understand, do not make it about you. Do not ruin this game. Those officials in that moment hurt the sport because we came to see basketball, not them, and they ruined that game for everybody. Let's spin it. Ryan, Ryan is in Texas. Hey, Ryan, thanks for the call. Go ahead. Amber, you read my mind. I said... And I was telling the, the caller, uh, producer, last night's game is going to make tonight's game better. People are going to be excited. I guarantee it. The officiating crew has talked about we don't want to be them tomorrow. And number two, I think the excitement of that game yesterday is going to overflow and say, you know what, maybe it's not Duke playing Kansas. Yesterday's game is going to make the men's game more watchable and exciting because of yesterday's game. I don't disagree with that, Joe, because with the rise in women's basketball, also I think people can settle into the idea that we don't need every national championship in the men's game to be all the traditional blue bloods either. We can all still watch it. We can all still love it and still enjoy it. If you love sports, what's going to stop you? What's stopping you? Why does everything need Other to be so than the 9.20 p.m. start time? <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's fair. But, I mean, what are we supposed to do out here in the West Coast? They started at 6 o'clock your time. It's 3 oh, p.m. our time. We got things to do. Coast. West well, Coast yeah, you may have heard of Los Angeles, about you. San Francisco, Fitzsimmons, they also want everything to be about them. They're coming up next here on ESPN Radio. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.